Are you ready to live the all-in life? Then welcome to the All-In Podcast Show, sharing the defining moments of impact-driven entrepreneurs, industry pioneers, and transformative leaders as they showcase their defining moments and went all-in on their business and found true success. From the early steps in their journey to the moment they truly took their commitment to their life and business to another level, we'll give you the insight you need to go all-in on your dream life. Now here's your host, Daniel Giordano. Welcome to the All In Podcast Show. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to someone I've been following for a while. He doesn't know this yet, right? But um, you know, just in the sales world, uh, you know, I'm always looking to improve and be able to share uh, great knowledge. So I'm excited to introduce you to Jeremy Miner. Welcome to the show, Jeremy. Hey, you know what? I'm looking to improve every freaking day. So thanks for having me uh, on your show. I'll, I'll take everything you said as a compliment because my kids say I'm pretty boring. So thank you very much. Right. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, um, uh, I always like to dive in a little bit about your upbringing and kind of uh, understand a little bit about where you came from. Well, what would you like to know? I got a crazy upbringing. Where, where should I start? <laughs> Wherever you feel it's necessary. Well, uh, yeah, let's do this. I'll, I'll tell you, you know, I can tell your audience a little bit of my background because my my sure. background, especially in the sales world, you know, if they're wanting to scale their companies or sell more of their products and services. So my background, you know, can relate to kind of some what's or some things that are necessary if they want to take their income to a level that most people don't think they could even get to. So I got started in sales about 22 years ago as a broke, uh, burned out college student, got my first job selling home security systems door to door, straight commission job. So if you don't make a sale, you don't make a dollar, right? Company basically gives you as, you know, I'll go fast. They give you, uh, you know, a couple books from the gurus. They give you a script, drive you out in a van, basically kick you out in the out of the van and basically say, you know, go make some sales. We'll pick you up after dark. And I still remember like walking out of the van. I was the last one to be dropped off on the street. And I looked back and my sales manager, his name was Xane, crazy name. And he said, Jeremy, don't forget when you knock on the door, show them how excited you are about the, the system, you know, about the product. Like if you can show them that you really believe in the product, they're going to believe in it too. They're going to believe in you and they're going to want to buy. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. I mean, I'm a 21 year old kid. What do I know about sales? Right. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. So I started knocking on doors and I was really enthusiastic. And I started talking about the product and the features and the benefits and how we had the best this and we had the best that and we had the best deals. And I noticed from the very first door, I started getting all these objections. Well, they, you know, they didn't tell me about all that, you know, like, oh, we don't need it, Jeremy, uh, or your, you know, your prices are too high, or we already talked with somebody from your company, or, you know, we've looked at this before, like, we can't afford it, we don't have the budget for this, uh, we need to think it over, I don't make rash decisions, I need to look around, I need to talk with my spouse, can you call me back in a week, a month, a year later, you know, who, who on here gets those objections? Right. And I started, I remember there was one Friday night after about probably seven to eight weeks of me getting punched in the nose, pretty much on every door, barely made any sales, barely made any money. And I remember waiting to get picked up Friday evening, late at night. I still remember like standing on the curb, sweat going down my chest and my back, the hot July humidity. Right. And I remember like my still kind of even remember like my my shoes like rubbing against like the hot asphalt 
you guys know what I mean if you've ever done door to door. I remember my legs just completely exhausted. I had actually worked 12 hours that day and made zero sales. So I made zero dollars. And for that week, I made, I believe I didn't even make a sale that entire week. So I made zero dollars in like a 60 hour work week. And I remember sitting there thinking to myself, you know, maybe, maybe selling, maybe selling just wasn't for me. You know, have you, have you ever felt that yourself? And yeah. so I remember when I got into that van that night, the sales manager plugged in a Tony Robbins CD. You know, 22 years ago, people listen to things called CDs. It's crazy. And Tony said something like this, and I, I might be butchering what he said, but it was something to the fact of like, you know, something like you will fail if you don't learn the right skills necessary to succeed. Like you will fail if you don't learn the right skills. Now he actually goes on to say, everybody is taught skills. But he says the people who fail are the ones who are not taught the right ones. And it was like when he said that, it was like this light bulb moment went off on my head. Like it was like divine intervention from like the heavens itself that there was a difference in skills because I'd never I just thought skills were skills. Like it was all selling was just all the same. Like there was just every technique was just all the same. Right. And it got me thinking, like maybe what the company was training me. And what I was learning from, you know, what I call the old sales gurus, maybe they just weren't the right skills anymore. Maybe they were just outdated. Maybe they just didn't work that well. So I, I, at that point, there was like a major dilemma in my life because at the same time this was going on, I was in college and my major was behavioral science and human psychology, which if you peel back the layers of what that means, it's really the study of the brain. It's like, why do we make decisions to go left or right? Why do we make a decision to say yes or no? Like what is triggering our brain for us to do things like that? How is our decision-making process? So I was learning from my professors. You know, one of them was Robert Caldini. If you've ever heard of Robert Caldini in his book, mm. Persuasion, you know, Influence. So I was, I was learning from my professors like him and other, you know, you know, psychology professors that the most persuasive way to communicate was over here. But the sales gurus in the books, they were saying it was over here. It was like completely opposite. And I, it didn't make any sense to me. Like, how can that be? So I decided, like, how do I take what I'm learning from behavioral science, what I'm learning from the way the human mind makes decisions and how it's triggered to do something or not? How do I bring how do I wrap that into my sales process? So I started doing that because I really had no choice. Right. So I started learning how to use techniques that work with human behavior where I was getting my prospects to pull me in rather than me trying to push them. And it was like overnight, selling became very, very easy and very profitable. And that's kind of where it all started for me. You with me? Okay. Yeah, definitely. So, so from the perspective of like, was there, I mean, obviously you had several defining moments there, right? But, um, and that was when you were selling alarms, right? That was still the same yeah. product then? Okay. So, yeah, I mean, um, you're talking, I was two months in when I started learning how to right. do this. Now, eventually, sure. so I, in, in my 17 year sales career, um, before I, so I retired in 2018. So the 17 years before that, I sold in four different industries. Two were B2C and two were B2B. So I know, I know both sides of the coin very, very, uh, very familiar for sure. I retired for about a year. And then in 2018, I started seventh level. Okay. All right, perfect. And what did you roll into after, you know, as you as you progress into the next stage? So I want to hear about the uh, the industries you've been in. 
right? Yeah. So I, so my first industry, I was in like alarm sales while I was going to college, my first couple of years after school. So I think I was in that industry, maybe four and a half years, close to five years. And then I was like, you know, I wanted to get into sell, selling like higher priced items. So I got into B2B sales and the first industry I got into B2B was uh, debt uh, reconstruction. So I was calling like mainly SMB type of companies that might have like a million in debt, half a million in debt, 10 million in debt, just depends. Some of them are even more debt than that. And how, and the company I work for would basically like, you know, take on their debt and restructure it and they make the payments to them. So that's what I sold. I was in that industry mm -hmm. probably about five, yeah, about five years, somewhere in that, made a lot of money. I was making multiple seven figures a year in commissions. Mm -hmm. Now, when I say that people are like, oh my gosh, I need to get that in that industry. Like I would get paid so much, but that wasn't the case. I mean, the, the, you know, we're talking out of the thousands of salespeople that sold in that industry. I was like the number one person in the United States, the average person in that industry made 50 grand a year. How was I making that pretty much almost every week? Well, it was because I had learned how to work with human behavior rather than using techniques that work against it. That's one reason. So I got out of that. Then I went into network marketing because I wanted to do something different. That's more B2C. Went into network marketing, went out and recruited just everybody and built like a very successful business where after about three years, I was internationally ranked. I want to, and you can still Google it. I think it's 44th or 45th in the world in the direct selling world out of like a hundred million salespeople selling anything. It's making multiple seven figures a year of that. I got bored with that because once I like conquer something, I'm like, ah, oh, I need to, I need to be challenged a little bit more. And then the last industry I sold in was kind of your space, the high ticket industry. And I was in that industry for like the last four and a half, almost five years of my career before I retired and, and did really well, make multiple seven figures years as a salesman uh, for a couple right. of different companies. I take it space. So that was my journey. Okay. Bunch of boring stuff. Awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, so what would you say if you had to distill in, I know you have this mapped out with your products, right? So just share with people listening today, like what would be the the process that you would take them to that have made that made you successful in you know the industries you've been in and you know being able to go in and conquer and uh you know and, and anything you do so is there a, a, I, know, I think, a framework you know, process I, you'd like to share i mean as a, as a salesperson you know when i when i'm emphasizing like you want to use techniques that work with human behavior let me give you an example of what i mean by that because that that in company that encompasses a lot of different things it's not just like one thing and then i'll, I'll share with you kind of our framework, if if that helps your audience, it's called NEPQ. Is that's our methodology from me? Um, that stands for Neuro Emotional Persuasion Questioning, and we can kind of go over that. But what what all of us need to understand is that any sales interaction that you're ever involved in, or if you're the business owner that your salespeople are involved in, or if you're the sales manager that your sales team's involved in, so it doesn't matter if that interaction is in person, like in an office or a home, or on a doorstep. It doesn't matter if it's on the phone and it doesn't matter if it's virtually like on Zoom like we are right now. Your prospects, okay, are picking up on your social cues. I mean, you even do it, Daniel, when you go to a networking event and some stranger comes up and starts talking to you, what do you start doing? You start analyzing, is this person a threat to me? Or are they trying to sell me something? Or who is this person? That's immediately what goes in through our brain. Subconsciously, that's how we're wired, okay? It comes, you're talking about like hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years from when the, the first human beings that God put on this planet, whenever that was, they were hardwired and they're part of the reptilian brain to protect themselves from threats like 
tigers and like animals that would eat them. Okay. Now our brains, well, we're still hardwired to protect ourselves from that. But now because we're constantly being sold and marketed to part of our brain, a reptilian part of our brain is trying to protect us from being sold. Okay. It's just, it's wired into us. It's just, you're talking like decades of this going on. Okay. Especially with the social media and the power of the internet. It's, it's like time warped everything, time speed, everything up. So your prospects, even in the first five to 10 to 12 seconds of any interaction there with you, they're picking up on your verbal and nonverbal cues and your body language, if they can see you based on your tonality and what you are saying and or asking that triggers their brain to react in one of two ways. Now, that's a scary word, react, if we don't understand why a prospect is reacting. If you come across on your calls overly enthusiastic, like really excited, okay, or aggressive, or if you come across like needy, you know what I mean by that? You can even tell when you feel needy on a sales call, like you feel right. the energy, they feel it too. And especially if you come across attached and you don't understand the right questions to ask, you don't understand the right tone, it triggers the brain to go into what's called fight or flight mode. Now, everybody on here has probably heard of fight or flight mode, but do you know that it's actually triggered by what you're saying that's triggering them to go in that. It's not like they woke up that day and they're like, you know what? If a salesperson calls me, I'm going to go into fight or flight mode in 12 seconds. Like nobody's thinking that. It's a triggered reaction based off what we're saying and how we're saying it that triggers that reaction, okay? And that's where the prospect tries to get rid of you very quickly. Like, oh, hey, I'm too busy. Can you call me back later? Or, you know what? On second thought, we don't really need it. Or, you know, oh, we're good. We already have somebody for that. Or, you know what? You know, just tell me how much it's going to cost. And I'll tell you if I'm interested. Those, when you get those type of objections in the first 10, 20, 30 seconds, maybe even first couple of minutes, even if it's an inbound lead, that's because there's something you're saying or asking or how you're coming across that's triggering them to go into fight or flight mode. Okay. Now we have to understand that. If we understand that we're triggering it, now we know we have a problem. And what are some words we need to eliminate and rework so we don't trigger that? So once you learn what we call NEPQ, when you learn how to become more neutral in your conversations, especially in the beginning when there's zero trust or credibility with you and the prospect, when you learn how to become more unbiased, like you're not, you're not quite sure you can even help yet. You don't know enough about, about their situation to know what's going on, okay? You come across more calm collective. And I would say the key word is detached, especially when you learn how to become detached. What happens is it triggers the human brain to become curious enough where they feel like they want to engage. Okay. They, they want to open up. They don't know why yet, but they feel like you might have something important for them. Okay. So we have to learn how to become detached really from that expectation of like trying to close the sale, ABCs of closing. And instead, focus on, you know, what problems do they have? Why do they have the problems? What, what are the problems doing to them? Where do they want to go? When we're focused more on that, um, your prospects are much more willing to open up, okay? So now, do I mean when you get on sales calls, it's not your goal to make a sale? Well, obviously not. How would I make multiple seven figures a year as a W-2 salesperson? Did I just get to the end and be like, oh, well, uh, I guess email me back if you're interested. Oh, that's not going to work either, right? But we have to we have to make, that should be your goal in every call, or at least to move the sale forward, depending on if you do a one-call close or a two-call close, or if you're more B2B complex selling environment, might be multiple calls. But we have to keep that 
idea of like, I'm trying to close a sale to yourself because the moment the prospect feels that you were just there to sell them is the moment they do what? They emotionally shut down. They stay surface level with you most of the conversation, even the very best questions you've learned how to ask for your industry. They give you three or four word answers. And then at the end, what objections are you going to get? This looks good, but I need some time to think it over. I need to pray about it. I, I need to talk with my other partners more. We're still looking around at other companies. That's when you're getting those type of objections. It's because you haven't learned yet how to get your prospects to open up and go below the surface because you're triggering fight or flight mode where they emotionally shut down and stay surface level with you. That's one aspect. I mean, I could give you 500 more, but that's an important one for sure. Right. Awesome. I love it. I love that stuff. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's powerful when you're, when you're in that mode and you can see it in real life, you know, with what you've experienced and the different yeah. organizations I, you've been involved I, in. Right. Yeah. What I find from entrepreneurs and uh, salespeople is you just in sales, you know, I always ask audience, you know, I just did a, a keynote in Florida. I was telling you about last week in Tampa Bay for a, a whole, like a real estate company that, you know, companies that call distressed properties and, and try to purchase them, right. For investments to flip or, you know, wholesale or, you know, hold or whatever they want to do, right? Airbnb rentals, whatever. And what I find is that just, you know, the biggest problem in sales is the problem that you don't know you have. Because if you don't know what your problem is, then how do you know how to fix it? You can't. So when we, when I suggest things like that, it's because just a lot of people just don't know that they just think, oh, the leads are bad. These leads are just bad. They've got a lot of fear. That's really not the case. It's what you're saying and asking and how you're asking it, like especially your tone, that's actually triggering the prospect to go into fight or flight mode. So once you learn what words are triggering that and you remove those and you relanguage them to make them more neutral, you just eliminate that sales resistance from even happening. So instead of competing against the wall the whole time, because their wall goes up and they just keep their cards to their chest and they never really tell you what their real problems are and why they have them and what it's doing to them, your prospects start to open up and they feel comfortable because you've learned how to disarm them. You've learned how to trigger them to let their guard down. So instead of triggering them to keep their guard up, you have to learn how to trigger them to let their guard down. And imagine how selling, how different selling would be for each of you watching and listening to us, if your prospects never had the wall up from the moment you started talking to them, they were just open. I mean, imagine the possibilities. Well, that's not just possible. That's realistic once you learn how to work with human behavior instead of using techniques that work against it. It's a big difference. Right. Right. So, so when you, uh, so you said you're retired back in 2018, yep. you said, right? right. 17, um, 2017. Yeah, 17. Yeah. All right. So what so what made you decide like what was the all in moment for you around starting what you're doing today? Yeah, you know, probably about I mean, the whole time, like even the last couple of years that I had my sales job, I was having, you know, especially people, companies in my own industry come to me like, hey, how much would it be to pay you on the side to do consulting and sales training for our reps? And I'm like, well, I can't do it. I have an NDA. Like, I can't, you know, but then other other companies and other industries were asking me to do that. And so I started kind of doing that on the side my last couple of years when I still had my job. And I was getting results in like probably like 10 different industries that were completely different. You know, you're talking like one was solar, one was life insurance, one was cybersecurity, one was, you know, medical device, one was high ticket. You're talking completely different industries, yet duplication in all of those. So I'm like, okay, there's something here. 
And then I'm like, well, I'm going to retire for a year or two and see what I want to do. I, you know, I'd done really well financially, invested pretty decently. So I'm like, I don't really need to work for 50 years, but I want to, but I'm going to retire. And so probably about six months into that, um, part of it is I just got kind of bored. Really, I just want to be realistic. But the, the, I'd say the biggest part is I started, and I don't know why it was, because when I was in sales, it, I, I never really got on social media that much when I was in sales, because I was always, you know, I was always working. I was always focused on income producing activities. I wasn't on Facebook or IG looking at my neighbor's cats, you know, that they're posting because that was a waste of time to me. But like when I retired, it's like I had all this free time. So I started looking at posts and social media and I started seeing all these ads on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. And I started, you know, I probably was getting retargeted because I was in sales. So I was seeing all these sales trainers, right? Call them the gurus. And they were like, oh, you know, you need to be really excited and you need to do this. And they were saying all this stuff. And I'm like, and that's just not accurate. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I was ranked one of the top 50 salespeople in the world selling anything in any industry. I was making close to $3 million a year in commissions, straight commissions. And I'm like, if I would have took that person's advice, that's a sales guru on how to sell, I would have made 95% less. I'm like, that doesn't work. That triggers sales resistance. And I saw all these people buying into this. And I'm like, I know they're not going to get results. I know they're, they're just going to, you know, play the numbers game, work 14 hours a day to maybe make low six figures if they're lucky. And I'm like, they're going to get burned out because they're going to go through tons of rejection because they're triggering sales resistance all the time. They're always having to go through 10 different objections all the time. Like people get burned out from that emotionally. Just people do like nobody wants to be rejected all the time. So part of that is I kept seeing all that. And I'm like, man, there's just nobody really, I mean, there's a few people here and there, but not really. But I was like, there's not really anybody that really shows you how to work with human behavior. Like, how do you get to let your prospects down? Like nobody's sh showing really a sales process. It's all personality selling. And that's not duplicatable in companies. You might have a couple of your reps, 2% that can pull up personality selling, but what about your other 90% of your reps? They can't do that. They, there's no structured process to follow. And so I kept having people tell me like, you need to start your own sales training company. Like this is going to blow up. So I, I did. And, you know, we, we grew pretty quickly. Um, 2020 and 2021 uh, um, Inc. Magazine or their 5,000 less ranked as the fastest growing sales training company in the United States. Um, and so we've just kept growing and we'll probably win it for 2022. I mean, maybe we won't, but we've, we've even grown by 10 times in 2022 than we did 2021. So, you know, the, the, the reason why we've grown is because our clients get massive results and it doesn't matter the industry. We train 158 different industries now and we get duplication in all of them. So when you have a structured sales process that works, you can take that into any industry, you know, and as a business owner, you know, just like I was telling this group, I did a keynote last week. Imagine if you could get advanced sales skills to all your team and even your very bad people who are like on the chopping block, at least they acquire the skills to become average now. So your bad people go to average. Let's say your average people, they acquire the skills to go to really good. And your good salespeople you have now, they acquire skills that make them great. I mean, where does your business go at that point? You're talking your business is 10, 15, 20 times larger than what it is when you acquire those skills. So that's, you know, that's what we're passionate about. That's why I wake up every day and get on podcasts like this and, and do trainings and file over you know, the planet. Cause I like, I like helping people like that. Fun. Lots of fun, man. That's good.
Yeah. So it's always, it's always great to, you know, be teaching in your lane, right. With yeah. the skill sets that you've figured out and, you know, like what about you the shared, only there, thing, there's a whole nother, about the only, yeah. not the only thing I know. Yeah. Right. And the only, and the other cool thing is, is that, you know, you recognize the real problem in the industry with the guru spouting a bunch of stuff that, you know, isn't true. Right. That isn't really going to help people. They might have the a right intentions, it, but yeah. yeah, a lot of it is just, it's just myths that they've heard from other sales trainers. I hate to say right. it, but just yeah. a lot of it is just myths. I mean, it's there's no data that shows that. They're like, oh, if you get the prospect to say yes seven times, there's a 74.6% chance that they're going to buy. <laughs> right. well, according to who? Where's the study? Like, right. where are comparable studies? It just doesn't exist. So it's like these, you know, these myths that, that just keeps getting handed down from generation to generation that keep getting even more untrue every single right. year because your prospects are much different now even than they were a few years before especially before you know the rise of social media and the, the power of the internet i mean look here's what you have to understand your prospects know that you know what you're selling that they have many choices to choose the exact same product or service that you have so because of that newfound power see 20 plus years ago they didn't have that option they didn't really i mean they kind of knew that but it wasn't in their face all the time if that makes sense like you right. know what what was the 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 really the bridge between the company and the consumer it was you the salesperson you you know say you know the prospect they 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 were used to the salesperson educating them on the company's products or services. But now with the internet and social media, they can go Google your company and know your price points. They can know your products and services. They know who your competitors are. They know where you're in business at. They know bad reviews, good reviews. They know everything about you before you even talk to them. And because of that newfound power, they didn't have that 20 years ago. Because of that newfound right. power, they'll no longer be manipulated or pressured by pushy salespeople because they know they have many choices to choose the exact product or service you sell. So you have to get really good at becoming what we call pro a problem finder, where you're, you're learning how to ask the right questions at the right time in that conversation that builds such a gap in their mind from where they are compared to where they want to be, that it triggers so much urgency for them to want to move away from that newfound new newfound pain that they'll do anything you know to pay for your product or service to solve their problems and get them where they want so that's called problem finding you know i every book behind me if you're watching this on youtube or something but every book behind me will say that you have to be really really good at problem solving and that's true but if you really think about it you can't be a problem solver until after they purchased how do you solve their problems without them purchasing? You can't. So you can't be a problem solver until they've actually purchased what you're selling that then solves their problem. So if you want to make the sale, you have to be a problem finder. And that's helping them because most, you know, I think a lot of people understand this. Most of your prospects, when you first start talking to them, let's just be realistic. They don't even know what their real problems are. Or maybe they know they have a problem, but they don't really know how bad the problem is, right? Or maybe they don't understand the consequences of what happens if they don't do anything about solving the problem. Now, once you learn an EPQ, you know, not only are you going to learn how to help them find one problem, but now you're going to learn how to help them find two or three or maybe other four other problems they didn't realize they really had. And when you're able to do that, guess how they start to view you? More as the expert, more as the trusted authority. Whereas they view all these other salespeople calling them all the time, trying to pressure them as just another, 
you know, a pushy salesperson is trying to stuff their solution down their throat. So they commoditize all them and make those people chase them. Whereas when you learn in EPQ, you're going to learn how to get them to pull you in where they're basically chasing you and like thanking you for you allowing them to pay you to solve their problems and get them where they want to go. And that's a whole different ball game when you're in that field, for sure. Right. Awesome. So, so there's one thing that's sticking out to me is like, we didn't talk about any of the challenges you've may have faced in your journey, other than obviously when you first started, right? So it was like, you know, a lot of times people see businesses like we got involved and all of a sudden we started building and then like, you know, we had this great success. We don't talk about, you know, some of the pains or struggles that we personally experienced yeah. as entrepreneurs, you know, yeah. whatever you want to share around that. Of what yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can share you a lot of pains for sure. Even right. with the <laughs> right. growing so big, sometimes you grow too fast, you know? So, right. you know, the first, especially the first year was a really tough one for me because it was me. It was my former assistant from my job who I convinced her mm -hmm. to leave her job to come work for me. And it was one part-time mm -hmm. salesperson for the first like 14 months. That was it. And so I was doing everything, trying to run the business, do all the training. We had all these virtual training products that I had done, written out and recorded. And we were getting like, you, you know, even then we had a few thousand testimonials the first year, you know, people were buying products online and, you know, through webinars that I was doing, but it was like, I, I shouldn't be running a business. Like I'm, I'm not a CEO. And I started to realize like, this is not my strength. Like I'm so involved in the day-to-day -day business that, you know, like, how can I do everything else? It's like impossible. So about almost two years in, um, I brought in uh, one of our clients at that point that had sold a bunch of his gems in Australia. He's now my business partner and our CEO. And I like somehow, you know, got him to pull me in. And he came in as my business partner and CEO. And we started building a team around him. And we had a CRO and a chief sales officer and a, you know, a CMO and a vice president of marketing. We started building out this whole team. And we just went from here to like here, like very, very quickly. That's how we got on, you know, in Inc. Magazine, you know, back-to-back -back years and the third year as well. But it's really like, it's really understanding what your strengths are as a business owner and what your weekend. And what your weekend, you want to find another business partner that that's their strength. You don't want to have a business partner that has the same strengths you do 100%. Maybe they have some strengths you do, but they really specialize in maybe running the business. Or maybe they understand, they understand operations and systems really to a T. Or maybe you're bringing on a business partner that really understands more of the marketing side because you don't know anything. You want to have that effect. Like Matt is extremely, Matt Ryder is my CEO, business partner. He's extremely talented and running a business and knowing like when to slow down and when to speed up, right? Because I'm just like, oh, you can do this. Oh, here's money for that. Oh, you can do this. Here's money for that. But he's more prudent in the decision-making process of what vendors we use and what we do, where I was just, I believed everybody, like, here, you want some money? Here you go. It's just, you know, <laughs> throwing money out there, seeing what works, right? And he's very prudent on that. And because of that, we've been way more profitable, but we've been able to scale the business. And, you know, there's been certain months because of our growth has gone so fast, where quite literally we have to push on the brakes on our marketing, you know, because we like last month, we booked over 7,000 sales calls. That's a lot of sales calls. Okay. For a company that's only been in business. And that's in one month. The month before we booked like 4,900, almost 5,000. So like you're talking about 2,000 more sales calls. And we're like, oh my gosh, now our salespeople are booked out a week and a half. Well, we can't have that. 
So then we had to go hire like seven more salespeople real quick. Now we have like 29 salespeople that just sell internally for seventh level. You know, two years ago, I think we had three. So it's just, it's just like, sometimes you just, you grow so fast. Like in our, in our mind, our brand is, and our clients are the most important because if the brand gets damaged and if our clients don't get the results, they came in, that means your company's not around long-term. So sometimes you can grow so fast and make so many sales, you can quadruple your income, but that comes back and it hurts your fulfillment because maybe you don't have the fulfillment team in place to handle 50% more clients in the next three months. So you have to slow down, hire the right fulfillment, hire the right people and like customer service and stuff. So that doesn't fall by the wayside because you're just trying to make more sales and more money. If you want a long-term brand, that's going to be around even after you're gone. And that's what seventh level is to us. Like even when we're gone, let's say we're gone 50, 60 years from now, the company will still be here because of our foundation of what we've done and how sometimes we just quite literally will slow down because we're growing too fast because we have to hire more people. And when you, when you start to treat it like that, where you're more focused on the end result for your clients over just your money you make, good things really happen pretty quick for sure. Awesome. Yeah. Well, there's Hopefully a lot there. And yeah, definitely. That was good. Um, so there's a lot there, yeah. you know, uh, tons of wisdom and insights there for people to take and run with. Um, but of course, most important thing is how people find out about you as we close here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they want to learn more details about what we do, because we didn't have time to really go into like specific NEPQ questions on your, on your show, but if they want some uh, free resources, we'll give them a few nibbles. We'll give them a, a little hors d'oeuvres, a couple hors d'oeuvres. So why don't you just have them go to our Facebook group? They, one of our Facebook groups, they can join that for free. It's, um, I think I gave you the link. It's salesrevolution.pro. Sure. So have them go to salesrevolution.pro. .pro, and right when they join, um, have them check their mess Facebook messenger. And we'll have somebody on our team. We'll message them over a free training. We'll give you guys, we'll give you the NEPQ 101 mini course. Okay, we'll just give that okay. to you for free. It's just a list of like different questions they can use for different sales situations they're in to help them make more sales. And in that Facebook group, we go live in there like two, three times a week, different subject trainings, Q and A's, things like that. And then if they want to learn like more advanced skills, like our clients are who were in this probably the same industry that they're coming from in here, because we train a ton of people in your space, um, then just having them message me in Facebook Messenger, and uh, it you know more than likely it probably won't be me responding, but somebody on my team, one of my stunt doubles as I call them, right. on the social media team will message them back uh, with some different training options we would have for their industry if they want to make a lot more money than they are now. So I think that's the best way. Just have them go to salesrevolution.pro, uh, get a few nibbles, and then they can take it for there if they if they want more advanced stuff where they can sell more. Okay. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to be here and share your message and, you know, and your skill sets with the world and keep out there uh, impacting and helping people uh, be able to, uh, you know, sell more with the right intentions, right? And uh, stirring right. it up. So I'm excited to uh, see the continued uh, success that you're having. Thank you for taking the time. Thanks, Dan. You as well. You as well. Thanks for having on your show. It's a great show. I was listening to a couple episodes this morning. So thanks for having me on. I appreciate you. All right. We want to thank you for being all in with us on today's episode of the All In Podcast Show. 
For more information and resources based on today's discussion, as well as ways to connect to our guests, head to allinpodcast.com. That's available exclusively on allinpodcast.com.